0: Cincinnati inbounds, Copain will let it air, ball up, and it is no Gillen. and the Knights have knocked off 15th-ranked Cincinnati. The UCF Knights have knocked off a ranked opponent for the first time since 2011. It's a court storming at CFE Arena on a Sunday afternoon where the Knights have beaten Cincinnati 53-49. to 49.
1: What is up, Knight fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. We are not joined by Mark Daniels, who you just heard. Uh, give the final call of the big story of the week, UCF's, UCF men's basketball's win over Cincinnati. Courtesy to Mark and uh, to UCF Athletics, UCFKnights.com, uh, whose SoundCloud we found that on. Pretty nice of them to put that up there. Uh, and also the Knights flagship station, 96-9, the game. Uh, wow, that is just one of a bunch of huge stories that happened this week, isn't it, Eric?
0: Yeah, that's been the theme. Uh, UCF, uh, knocking off ranked teams, big games, a ex- lot of excitement. All all themed, uh, all the big theme this week.
1: So we got a lot to dive into. We got uh, men's basketball, obviously the big win against Cincinnati, which we're going to go in on here in a little bit. We've got women's basketball getting ready for their tournament. 19 win season, not too bad. Uh, First year under Coach Abe. We've got um, uh, also track and field, women's track and field, winning the American Athletic Conference Indoor Championships. That's a big win for Jeanette Bolden and the UCF uh, track and field uh, crew. Uh, We've also got baseball and softball to get into. UCF playing uh, uh, Florida for two games this weekend. or Not this weekend, but this week, I should say. uh, In the midweek, number two ranked Florida nonetheless. Uh, and uh, also a little bit later in the show, we'll talk about the brand-new uh, facilities vision that UCF has and Danny White unveiled uh, this this past week and all the plans that they have uh, set up for um, UCF coming with hopefully a bunch of uh, new donations in the uh, not-too-distant future. They've already got a few donations on there, so there's a lot of stuff to talk about this week. So let's, let's uh, dive right in, Eric. Let's talk about men's basketball. What a week! As the uh, knights right now stand at 19 and 10, thanks to, I think we can say this. I, 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 we thought it was possible, but it really was an unexpected upset victory over number 15 Cincinnati in CFE Arena on Sunday. 53 uh, 49 uh, was the uh, was the final. First time that I saw the fans storm the floor in. Probably ten years, right? I mean, I, I remember we stormed the well, floor a couple times during the old a Sundays, but uh, but yeah, a, a floor storming win for the Knights over fifteenth uh, ranked Cincinnati, and they're at nineteen. And they have nineteen wins with one game to go against uh, putrid USF uh, this coming uh, Thursday. Eric, let's put this into context here. Is this this is what this is one of the what three or four biggest wins in uh, Division One program history?
0: Wow! Right off the bat, hardball question there. Um, oh, wow, it? that's well—that's an interesting question because how do you categorize the biggest wins? For example, winning the two thousand four, two thousand five, a Sun Championship Tournament Championship games to me are significant because that punched your ticket yeah. to the NCAA Tournament. So well, I would I, say I'll even that- go
1: back even further than that. The two uh, before that, I think ninety was it ninety six and ninety. 9 or 94, 96, I can't remember. But um, but you could say, like, the first one. Those are Division One, um, Right. The back-to-back, obviously, are up there. Uh, in the Conference USA slash American era, the win over Florida is up there. Um, they were ranked at the time. You remember that? The win over— That was G- at the Amway Center. Yeah, that at was at the, at the Amway Center, Center in Orlando. Right. That was, yeah. Um, I think that UConn wins probably up there, too. Um, in the Bahamas, the, in the Bahamas, there's 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 a few that are up there. I think. Yeah, I
0: think this is. Now, by the way, the last time they stormed the court, since people are screaming right now on uh, as they listen to this, at uh, you right now, Jeff, after they screamed at me after the fact, saying, "Hey, you know the Connecticut win and uh, you know the Florida win were in different years." Okay, settle down. It was a two year period there. Settle down. All right, and Jeff actually corrected me on that last week too. I don't know
1: why people missed that, but um. Because they don't listen to me. No one ever listens to me. Well, that's
0: probably – that's a fair point. Uh,
1: <laughs> I would say that the Cincinnati win
0: is the biggest win at the UCF slash CFE Arena's history.
1: Okay. All right. That sounds, that a fair, that's, I mean, that's fair.
0: Um, Because you mentioned the last time – the last time they stormed the court was that when they finally beat Memphis. That's uh, right. That's right. Uh-huh. Donnie Jones. I forgot that one. And but that meant that was not a Memphis uh, team
1: that was super, you know, great team. Yeah, they were uh, that, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a very that was when Memphis sort of started their post Calipari kind of slide, you know, kind of return, re entry into the Earth's atmosphere, you know. Well, and I, what I remember about
0: that because I was at that game and I was sitting courtside, and when that was the first time that I saw them storm the court, uh, and that was. Controversial, little bit from the standpoint. There were some people that didn't think they should have stormed the court because Memphis wasn't ranked. It's not the John Calipari met, uh, team in there. Whereas yeah. this one, I think, was more authentic. I think was more. I, I'm a, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about whether you should storm the court, not storm the court, and what you know, and all that. And I don't know what your thoughts on that. I'm for storming the court. I don't have a problem with it. Um, obviously, you don't want it to get out of hand and, and all that. But I do think there are parameters, you know, and, and I think in UCF's case. Uh, look, I mean, it's the fourth time in the history of the program. They've beaten a top 25 team. Uh, it, it's it, to me, I think it warrants it and, and, and really a signature win. And I, I tweeted this out afterwards, a signature win for Johnny Dawkins yeah. and to, to put his footprint in this program. Right. I mean, we spent the fall talking about what, when, when, when is that signature win for Scott Frost in UCF? And I, and then to be honest with you, I don't know if we ever got that signature win yet, right? I mean, we got some nice wins, but I don't think we have that quote signature win, hey, statement made here. Whereas we've gotten that yeah. now, Coach Dawkins here to beat Cincinnati for the first time ever in general, but then to beat them in the 15th ranked team, and that's a big game for Cincinnati, by the way, because they're trying, they were battling for the American Conference title with SMU. And that might've ended up costing them the regular season championship. So it's not like Cincinnati take, took the game for granted. That was a big game for them. And uh, a fascinating game for me in in that it was a defensive struggle, uh, especially in the second half. And I don't know how much, I mean, I'm watching that in, in the, in the person Uh, I sat with trace, our good friend from nightline podcast, by Mm -hmm. the way, which was entertaining. I strongly recommend you Jeff (laughs) next year. You need to go to a basketball game with Trace. It's just phenomenal. He's got this. He's got this game, and he. And if you listen to the pre, their uh, most recent uh, episode podcast of Nightline podcast, he breaks down this game that he has with three of his buddies, where they pick the highest score, uh for each game for UCF basketball. Which I and they have like dinner bet on it for the year and stuff. It's pretty fun, actually. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, but UCF struggled offensively. And part of the reason they struggled in the last so eight to ten minutes is because I thought. They were running out of gas. They reminded yeah. me of that Seinfeld episode where Kramer is taking oh the car. Boy, where's this one? Going? Remember, <laughs> no, remember the episode where Kramer has got the car and it's on E, empty, yeah. and, and his buddy tells him, no, you got – don't go. You got to drive it all out. You'll live it on the edge. And I felt like UCF basketball is like that. They were on E. Like the the gas was on E. It, it was blinking. And now the question is can they just hold on to the finish line – against Cincinnati, and thankfully, B.J. Taylor had that incredible three-pointer mm-hmm. to go up five,
1: and then thankfully, Cincinnati missed an alley-oop. <laughs> and then thankfully, and, Taco uh, Fall, who's a 40-some percent free-throw shooter, makes both of his free-throws. Which is amazing, You
0: know, and it's funny, because people, uh, they asked me after the Temple win, some people have reached out to me to ask me about questioning why is Dawkins leave Taco in there in those type of situations where he could get fouled and and shoot you know free-throws, And in listening to Coach Dawkins talk about that, he has confidence in Taco. And I think that's why this team has bought into Johnny Dawkins, Jeff. Don't you feel like, and and being around him, he's the type, and he was on Tuck and O'Neal this week on, on Sports Talk 1080, and he talked about he believes in his players, and that's not just lip service. He genuinely believes that Taco Fall can make the free throws if he gets in that situation. He truly believes in him. And whether you be, uh, agree with it or not, I think that helps the players, right? If your are will fall on the players, don't just, doesn't that make you want to run through the wall for your coach when he believes in you, when maybe others don't think that you should be in that situation? And I think that's why and one of the reasons why this team has accomplished what they've accomplished to this point because I think they have bought into what Coach Dawkins is telling them and saying, and they know that he has their back.
1: Yes, I do agree with you, but I think that coach Dawkins is also hiding the real reason why he leaves in this particular example Taco out there in crunch time. He obviously he's not out there for his free throw shooting, but I think Dawkins's play on this is I need him out there for two things, shot blocking and rebounding. When you got a 7-6 guy, remember we talked we talked about with Taylor Young about this that UCF is in the bottom half in the American in block shots even with Taco fall out there. Why is that? Because teams are afraid to go to the rim. And one of the big issues that you could run into there is you know someone's best player decides to you know late late in the game they're going to go to the rim, they're going to get fouled, they're going to try and shoot free throws. They're not going to try and do that with Taco because of because of his sheer size. And also, you need the rebounding out there because they're shorthanded on the front line. So, I think it's a calculated risk by Dawkins to say, "I need the defense and the rebounding out there." And as far as the free throw shooting is concerned, I really could not care less. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live and die with m- with one of my three best players with my three best players out there, which right now are uh, B.J. Taylor, Matt Williams, and uh, and Taco Fall, in my opinion. And, uh, so, and so far, and in, that worked in that game. And I'll give you an example of why. You talked about the defensive struggle down the stretch. With 11.55 to go in the second half, Nick Banyard made a jumper that gave UCF their biggest lead. It was 46-35. to 35. So that means in the final 12 minutes of the, sec- of the game, UCF only scored seven points and still won. Now, how did they do that? They held Cincinnati. They had thirty-five at that point. They fit. They got out. The Knights got outscored fourteen to seven in the final twelve minutes and won the game. That's defense. That is all defense right there. And that goes to Taco Fall. His presence in the paint uh, is really felt by uh, by these teams. That you know, it, let's face it, it's a drive and kick game these days in the in in NCAA basketball that's filtered down from the pros you got a lot of point guards like kind of like BJ Taylor you know who their game is to penetrate and either get to the line or kick out to the wide open three and when you have a 7 foot 6 guy in there guess what that leaves you only one real option so what are you going to do and i think it worked to perfection in this game UCF gets the win and it's a and it's a credit to their defense
0: well and and, and altering shots i mean even uh Coach Dawkins mentioned that in the post game, how possibly you know that missed uh, alley oop play with you four know, seconds you, left. You wonder alley-oop. if the, if you wonder if the player that's trying to dunk the ball is thinking, "Where's Taco?" Right? Oh, of Just,
1: course they're wondering that.
0: Yeah, and I think that you know that I've seen that with shots being left short because they're trying or shooting it too long because they're shooting the ball above the or, guy. Yeah, short. No, the, no question about it, it. Up
1: too high, you know, and then
0: sure. Yeah. Well, and that's the significance. And Mark, on the post game show on the radio, asked Coach and, and, told, and talked to Dawkins about that, about the fact that I was listening to the post game on the way back from the arena. And how that's, in a way, though, it tells you why the, the improvements of Taco this year. He's playing 30 minutes. You know, you looked at that Cincinnati game, Coach Dawkins decided, I'm riding with my five guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, Cause that's all I got. Like, he really didn't use Chad Brown that much in the second half of the game because he knew he needed Taco to your point to knock off Cincinnati and to really uh, make Cincinnati try to beat them, if you will, from over the top in the perimeter. Uh, but he basically went with five guys. So that's one of the other reasons why he leaves them out there. He really doesn't have a lot of options in the bench. right? Uh, which, again, speaks to the remarkable year that they have had and why they were running out of gas in that game. But, look, it was a defensive tackle. Let me tell you, seeing Cincinnati in person, their ball pressure, because they try to turn it up in that, it's impressive. They are one of the top defenses for a reason. In the last ten minutes, in fact, uh, let's play. We got Coach Dawkins here talks about the victory and how rewarding it was. Because really, this was the kind of, type of game he expected with these two top defenses in the league.
2: We knew coming into this game that that's how we were going to have to win. You know, you're not going to, you know, you're going to win on defense against a team like this. This the it's a story program. They hang their hat on the defensive end, and so we knew we were going to battle, and uh, we hang our hat there too, and so. We're fortunate we were able to, uh, you know, defend just a little better than they were tonight. But uh, they've had a great year. You know, Mick does a great job with this program. And I followed him for years, and uh, what he's done there has been amazing. And uh, you know, they're great representatives of the American Conference.
0: And not you think they're Jeff right there. I mean, Cincinnati's known for their defense, and I think UCF now is known for their defense. This is a defensive first team when it comes to UCF. They, you know, they they really set that tone going back all the way to when they played up in that tournament in the Carolinas uh, earlier this year. Remember that when they beat Mississippi state yep. in the college of Charleston uh, in that college and Charleston tournament. And I, this is a defensive team first and tacos, a big part of that because he alters shots and, and, and it's no easy baskets inside. And that's what kept them in these games and they win the game. And it's huge to knock off a team like Cincinnati that prides themselves on defense as well. Uh, that was, I really I know, you know, sometimes people tend to critique uh defensive games and low scoring games. Oh, it's not good offense, but I mean having watched that game, uh uh give credit to both defenses. Really made that game a tough physical, a tough intense game, really. And and, and credit to those guys for pulling out a huge victory uh on a lot of levels. Uh to me, it's the biggest home win they've ever had on campus i don't know if it's as big of a regular season win as say the florida win at the amway center uh that could
1: be debated uh i do think though it is the biggest home regular season win of all time to me it's a throwback to i know this is going to sound weird but some of those a sun teams that they won with defense and uh and this team is winning is is winning with defense I i went back and i looked at the schedule here They've won. Look at the close games they won. They beat Temple by two. They beat East Carolina by three. I know that East Carolina is not all that good, but um, still, close game. Uh, lost to UConn by three. I mean, I'll grant you that. Okay. But you know the 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 problems they were having in close games earlier in the season, remember they lost by five at Memphis. They lost by five to SMU. They seem to have flipped that around. And I'm really impressed with um, how this team – has rallied around defensively um, and figured out like that. That's going to be our secret sauce this year. And c- especially considering the lack of depth they have. And the other thing I was really impressed with, and I think you were too. You were there. The atmosphere in that game. That was that was as intense a game as I have seen in the arena, probably since going back to the Jermaine Taylor days when uh, when they were getting six seven thousand a game. Yeah. To see Jermaine play. And uh and it was it 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 felt like a madhouse in there. It really did. No, it did. It
0: was a fun atmosphere. And I enjoy like I said, I enjoyed the store uh, the, the fans uh storming there. Uh I'm for it. And it's a huge win. And and Coach Dawkins, to your point, Jeff, talks about here after the game. He talked about how this is a huge win for the program and, and it was great to have the fans involved in in this win
2: it was so special walking up the court seeing the fans rush the floor you know to see matt you know surfing everyone out there was was a, was amazing he was he was you know so it was it was a wonderful you know experience for everyone and that's what we want to see you know we always said we're not going to get anything done special without all of us being committed that's our student body our community our Players and staff and uh, you saw that tonight. I think it all came together on a night like this where you saw everyone engaged I thought the students were great. I thought our fans were amazing It was electric in there again tonight and it you know culminated with them rushing the floor couldn't end it any better for senior night So it's really happy about you know Where we're trying to move the program you know, we know we have a long ways to go There's gonna be some adversity some ups and downs But we are, you know, we're really excited about the potential of what we know we can do here. We got the best students in the country. We got, I mean, some of the best fans in the country. They're they're very passionate. I mean, so... We, they're another thing. We don't want to let them down either. We want to represent this school with pride because it's bigger than us. It's not just about the you know 15 guys in the locker room. We represent a whole university. So whenever we go out the court, we have to, we want to give it all we got because we're representing them, and we just we want to make them proud, and we want them to come back, and we want them to enjoy themselves because this is a great university. I mean, it's it's one of the best – it's the best school in the country, in my opinion. I mean, I'm from Orlando, and I love it here.
0: Jeff, how about that? Uh, Coach Dawkins and there, B.J. Taylor – Talk about the passion of the fans, the passion for the school, and
1: it That's brings been up a missing question from UCF basketball for a well, while.
0: And, I'm, and, and let, let's bring that up because that was asked to me. Not only where I was at the game uh, for Cincinnati, but I was also at the Temple women's basketball game, and I sat. I mean, I'm 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 sitting with a who's who here. I mean, I sat with <laughs> you know Trace at the men's game. I sat with Brandon Helwig for the women's game. He was covering it for UCFSports.com, and, and among others, Shannon Owens Green of the Orlando Sentinel, among. Uh, and there were a lot of conversations between Sunday and Monday, uh, back to back. And that is, what's it going to take uh, to get more people into those buildings? And I l- think let's we just, just focus. saw it right there. <laughs> well, and that, and that's my thing. Um, let's start with the men's first, and maybe we'll 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 address the women's version when we talk about them. So let's just focus on the men's for now. Uh, they had about fifty seven hundred. Uh, at the game, obviously you and I were there when they were drawing eight, nine thousand, you know, ten, you know, big crowds. I, I think this, and, and I remember we had Taylor Young on this podcast earlier in the year, and I and and there was a statement he made in that podcast that I think still rings true. And, and, and you remember when he, you know, we, we signed off. He said, "You know, give UCF basketball another a chance, another chance." Uh, to the point where, and I do feel that for whatever the reasons. A lot of people turned their back on the program at some point during the Donnie Jones era, probably probably right around the time when the sanctions came with football and basketball. And I feel like a lot of and I feel like a lot of people kind of turned on basketball there because it was basketball's fault that we got into this situation. And Donnie's fault. And my God, it almost cost us in football and this or that and et cetera, et cetera. Plus, I think there's an underlining, let's be honest, there's a percentage of fan uh, fan base that only cares about the football program, doesn't care about the other program. So if if they feel that another program harms the football program, they just take it out on them and stuff like that. So I I think a variety of those reasons, the the basketball program has been taken for granted. Uh, And my hope is that with this season with UCF basketball, which I think will end up in postseason, And we can get into what the possibilities are here shortly. My hope is that next year, now that they've proven that they can win and they have a good product, they're going to return pretty much the entire team, except Matt Williams, which is a huge loss, uh, as well as Banyard and, 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 you know, and Fajani. But but the the core, the core, the B.J. Taylor, the Taco Fall, we all expect them to all return. And I think we'll have – uh, to me bringing exciting uh, expectations next year with all the newcomers that will be coming in, that maybe the fans could start buying into the program again and, and buying into Coach Dawkins. And I think Coach Dawkins, for his account, has done his part, not only on the court with winning games, but off the court. He's doing radio interviews. And I'm not just saying that as a producer of Tuck and O'Neal because he's been on our show three times. I will shill for – he's been on – With uh, the shot doctor he was on. He's been on with Scott Inez. So, this is not a, 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 you know, my point is he's making the rounds and to push the product and push the program. Uh, And I think that the media and and fans want to blame that the media doesn't cover it in this or that. Well, the fans need to give the media a reason to talk about it.
1: Yes. That's the thing. I, I thank you, know, you for saying that because this drives me nuts. The 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 media is driven by fan interest, not the other way around. Stop correct. saying that the media sets the agenda. We don't. We cover the things that you are interested in. Yes. No.
0: And listen, and I'll share this story because this story is now long ago enough to where I can share the story. I used to produce the David Bauman show uh, back in 1080 about four or five years ago. Fellow Syracuse alum, go ahead. There you go, and the, and the show's on in Orlando and Tampa. And, you know, and then we and we had a program director, and one of the constant conversations, obviously, that goes on is what topics you bring up and stuff. Because I know a lot of fans, and you see a fans on the message board. Well, they don't cover you, see, they don't talk, you see, and all this stuff. And, and Bauman is a huge basketball fan, college and pro. Loves mm-hmm. basketball; it's probably his favorite sport.
1: He's, and he well, loves Syrac- talking college. He's a Syracuse kid. Syracuse is a basketball yeah, school. You know.
0: Correct. So he wants you know he would he loved talking UCF basketball covered UCF basketball back then, and stuff like that, and the program director would constantly um, didn't like that because I mean there's a lot of debate about central Florida, whether it's a college basketball market and stuff like that and one of the arguments that was used against UCF in that conversation and that meetings that we would have is well how many people are at the game twenty five hundred three the, if, right. if people cared, why aren't they going to the games um and so that's a part of it. it that's a part of it. Now, I, I come from the camp that, hey, I like to talk about everything. But, look, the fans have to show up. If fans don't show up, where is the interest? That's the question. Got to support the program, go to the buildings, watch the games, and then people start talking about it. And I think the example of that is look what's happened down in South Florida with the Miami Hurricanes. The Mm -hmm. Miami Hurricanes, which people used to say nobody cares about their basketball program. And since Jim Laranaga's arrived there, they've started to sell out games down in Miami. They've become conversational now down in South Florida when they used to not even care about Hurricane uh, College basketball. When they win, people talk about it. When they don't, they don't. And I hope. And I think we've started to see a little bit of that. More UCF basketball talk this year because they're winning games to your point. So now it's up to the fans. No more excuses, no more like hey, you know, you know, they don't talk about it, they don't be able to. you got to go out there and help the program. The program's helped themselves. Now you got to help them, support them because the players have talked about it. You heard BJ Taylor about how the fan support, that's huge and it helps them. Yeah. Uh that building, you I've been there when it's packed at 9,000, nearly 10,000. It's a tough place to play. Um, and I think they can make a difference. So hopefully, and I look in defense, there is one little quirk with obviously the schedule quirks that with television, you don't sometimes you're playing on a Sunday afternoon, sometimes you're playing on a Saturday afternoon, sometimes you're playing on a,
1: playing on a Wednesday and all that stuff. But yeah, but you know what? You, uh, know, the, when, you but, know when the games are. Show up. You know
0: correct. And, and my thing is like Sunday's Cincinnati game was a three o'clock Sunday game. Like what else are you doing? Right.
1: What are you Football watching? Football season's over. <laughs>
0: right. What are you doing? Like, what, what are you watching the Daytona 500? I know. Cause that was the lowest rated Daytona 500 of all time. It's like, guy you don't think you're watching that. What, what, what other excuse you have? So right. to me, they need to get out and support the program. Um, and I think the coach Dawkins has done that and, and so much. So to me, the fans that they're complaining about it and about coverage and stuff needs to shut up and just kind of worry about them worry about just supporting the program and then everything else takes care of itself. That's always been my belief on that. So I, I think you agree with that. Um from that regard. So I, I think hopefully that gets to that. Obviously, as we do this podcast, Jeffrey, they play USF on Thursday. Right. Monumental a, not to not to have a letdown there. You that's cannot a road game, by the way. Road game in Tampa. It's gonna be their senior day and it's I know they're be the on worst. The SPNU. Correct uh big game for the trophy too i4 uh war and i4 coach uh, you know that the, the points and all that if they can get that win all right 20 wins you secure a buy into the conference tournament i think they're an nit team at that point i think they've done enough to an nit team um if you look there are actually sites that that do nit projections <laughs>
1: uh and they have you know why because someone's got to do it
0: exactly (laughs) so somebody's got to do it um I think they're an NIT team which I think is remarkable I think it would be remarkable and I think coach Dawkins probably is going to be one or two as far as coach of the year uh don't you agree with that like I think he's one or two I think it's between him and the SMU head coach uh for that race. Don't you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Although I still think I I, I also think that um that the Cincinnati coach deserves consideration. Cronin, may have, Cronin' Cronin. deserves that, although he may have lost it actually with the with, with this last right. game. Tim uh,
0: Jankovic, by the way, is the SMU head coach. Yes.
1: Like it, i I I could see him getting the nod
0: because he replaced Larry Brown. Right. And that's a thankless task. right and he lost, you know, Nick Bohr was the best player on the team that graduated and stuff. So I could see Jankovic edging out Coach Dawkins, but that shouldn't take away from the job he's done. I think it's it's got to be one of those two. Uh, obviously, I'm biased there, but I think it's going to come down to those two guys for coach of the year. Um, but, let, let, you know, NIT, right? Don't you agree NIT uh, would be an enormous success? And it would be incredible. If they don't make the NIT, the CBI is an option. What's your – and then this is the other conversation. What's your opinion on that? Because you have to put in – money in a bid to play in the cbi are you for or against that
1: if well I'm, obviously if you don't get into the nit i think you definitely should get into the cbi i think that the uh, that you should you should put in to, to go to the cbi i think the question is when it comes to the cbi versus nit question is yeah, is it is it worth being say a high seeded cbi team and bidding to host a bunch of games uh, or is it worth getting into the NIT where you – I'm looking at DRatings.com. They have UCF as a – this is one of those uh, sites that does the uh, NIT projections, and they project yep. UCF as a five seed. And there are – uh, in each, I guess, region, there are a total of eight seeds. So they would be playing on the road, most likely. UCF would be throughout the NIT. So do you trade road games in the NIT for home games in the CBI? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'd rather be in the NIT. I'd rather I, be in the I would, NIT. Yeah, I would rather be in the NIT and test myself against competition. Like, for example, the four teams that they have as four seeds in the NIT right now would be teams on the line of Texas Tech, Alabama, BYU, Boise State. Uh, those, those are te- – I would like to test myself against those teams right there. I, I think it's about – The competition. And if you win a couple, you know, who knows? Maybe someone gets knocked off. You get to go to you. You get to uh, play a game at home, maybe uh, if you get lucky, if somebody gets knocked off down the way. So, um, yeah, I would rather play in the NIT against the better competition, personally speaking.
0: Well, and financially, you don't have to put in, you know, spend money to be in the right. tournament. Right, that's the, that's that's the other added, thing. You know. That's the other thing, too. But Right, but, the NIT is a more prestigious deal. Um, but let me ask you, let me throw a crazy scenario out. There. Okay. At this recording, UCF's RPI is 77. 77. Mm-hmm. To put that in perspective, Syracuse, your beloved other alma mater, 79. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have Syracuse in the NCAA tournament.
1: Now, in that's based defense, entirely on whom they have played in the regular season, and nothing more than that.
0: Well, on the ACC, playing in the ACC yeah. has that advantage, obviously beating
1: a Virginia, Florida State. But the win here's over my argument here is out. obviously a big factor in that. Absolutely, okay, but, but
0: here's my argument here because I, I I was uh, hanging out with our friends Michael Donnell and Taylor Young at uh, halftime, and we were just throwing spitballs. What if this team were to make a run at the tournament? And get to the final
2: mm-hmm.
0: on Selection Sunday. Don't you have to put them in the conversation at least at that point for the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament
1: the committee? Well, this is where this is where it gets fun. Yeah, because they're the four seed. If they get to the final, that means that they will have likely had to knock off SMU too. Okay, so they so they right. will have beaten. Right now, UCF is the four; would be the four seed. Let's, say, let's lock the tournament in right now as it is. Sure. If UCF is the four, UConn's the five, as, as is currently the situation right now, UCF will have had to knock off UConn in Hartford, Connecticut. Not an easy thing to do, but it's very no. hard to beat. But UCF has lost to UConn twice. And it's very hard sure. to beat a team three times. Then they will have had to knock off, likely, SMU, the one seed. All right, who's also 25 and four overall. Then they would likely play if the seeds hold up. The winner of Cincinnati and Houston. So I would put UCF. So if they knock off UConn and SMU, I think that should be enough to put them over the top, because then they would be sitting. Let's assuming they assuming they defeat South Florida, that would put them at 22 and 10, with wins in their last five games against uh three of the top five teams in your conference and and, and you're playing and you're you're coming down the stretch with a uh with a let's see right now they've won four in a row beat USF that's five first round quarters 6-7 seven. so seven, so you're getting hot at the right time and what was the other thing you were going to mention
0: well here's the other thing too and this has been used in the past with uh, when as far as uh, arguments to the committee this team, UCF, was without their best player, arguably BJ Taylor, for the uh, the last few games of the non-conference and the beginning of conference play. Right, for a uh, chunk of um, the season. So imagine if he was healthy, maybe they don't lose a game to a George Washington or a you know, the home game again the again you know earlier in the year. You know maybe that that's a game or two difference there, which could be the difference. Um, you know, so I, I, I do wonder, look, and, and who knows? I mean, obviously, it's a lot of ifs, right? I mean, got you know, who knows? They could get knocked out early and then stuff like that. I think it would be kind of cool, though. I mean, because I think this tournament is wide open. This league is wide open. This tournament coming up, and we're going to get in more of it next week, is wide open. Don't you think, Jeff? I mean, right now, as, yes. good as, Cincinnati, as good as Cincinnati and SMU are, and they should be the favorites. It's not like, oh, wow, it's
1: a done deal. Oh, they're it's, beatable. It, they're definitely beatable.
0: So, yeah, like you said, they're beatable. So anything could happen in this conference tournament. I just think it'd be kind of fun if UCF can make that run and get to the final. I think they start getting in the conversation with the Lenardis of the world. And I remember uh, it, that would be a fun conversation. I remember last year I was covering the tournament. I was at the championship game. It was Memphis versus UConn. And everybody had to hold hold on because that was the last game before the selection show. And everybody had to wait to see what would happen to that game because that would affect the, the brackets. Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of cool if it could happen to UCF. Um, I do wonder, again, and one of the things that's hurt UCF this year from the conference standpoint, it's been a transitional year. So, for example, and this is why I think the RPI is flawed. For example, Connecticut on paper does not look like a good game. Like, that's a bad, quote, bad loss. But anybody that plays Connecticut in Connecticut, for example, knows that that's anything but a bad loss. Plus, um, I think
1: they're better than their record says they are.
0: Exactly. Same with the Memphis and the Houston. That's why I think the RPI and there's an ongoing debate going on in college basketball. You know, if you notice, Jeff, and I know you follow it very closely, more, more, more and more people now are using Ken Palm and other systems other than the RPI to determine if a team is good or not good based on that instead of just the RPI formula. So, uh, which I think is good. I think you need to have more opinions out there than just the end the RPI being the end all be all, but. Um, you know, my, my, that's my thought on that is that I think, uh, UCF uh, could get themselves in the conversation. Now, again, for that to happen, they have to beat USF because they're actually going to probably get hurt by playing USF, which is the other flawed system right. here. You're getting punished because you got to play USF twice, which you have no control over. You yeah. have no and it, control and it only over takes
1: time. A, yeah. And it only takes into account games that you have played. So Yes. So, yeah, right. and, and you know, but but you know, that's neither here nor there. If you played US, if you played USF, you know, a month ago, you know, in that game, then you, then your RPI would be jumping if your last game was the Cincinnati at the end of the season. At the end of the regular season, everything pretty much evens out. Um, I, 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 yeah, I mean, this is why they have committees, you know, examine this thing. And uh, I, I I would I, I think that style points may also take a look at it. You know, if UCF kind of gets lucky a couple times, which it may take, you know, that may that may that may affect them one way or the other. But I think that if they perform impressively, if we see a team that's sort of really starting to r- really peaking right now. Yes. Yes. You know, if
2: they, if thank they, you, if they win, common
1: sense, if they win, eyeballs, right. If, Use they, your eyeballs. if they win impressively against say Yukon and they win impressively against say SMU, then it could be, then you could, you, you could really start to get, um, you know, quite, quite excited about what's going to happen. On the other hand, they could go all the way to the final, win the final, and then we don't have to worry about sitting, you know.
0: No, at that point, we would <laughs> have a lot of different conversations. <laughs> right. Take place. So, in fact, in fact, I'll make this proclamation. All if right. they pulled that off, if they won the men's tournament uh, title that Sunday, guess what? Emergency special edition emergency podcast. of the podcast on that <laughs> night at that point. <laughs> Emergen- yes,
1: emergency <laughs> podcast that night. We will definitely have to do that. So, uh, so again, Thursday we'll have to first things first. Got to beat USF on Thursday. It's their senior day. They're a bad team, which means that they are feeling vulnerable at home, and I think they're going to give us a better game than people might uh, than people yes, might think. Agreed. Because uh, they're, sleep on this they're game, hungry yes. and they would like nothing more than to totally ruin our chance at winning at winning our twentieth game of the regular season on their floor on their senior day. So. Um, I'm don't I'm not counting that as a W 100 percent of the way all the way just yet. I think that there's uh, that we're we're going to get a game from them. So um, speaking of uh, getting a game, let's flip over to the women's side because uh, we have to talk about the again the impressive move down the stretch that they made. They split the weekend at home this weekend that we were talking about, Eric. They um, boy did they look good against SMU. In winning their uh, what at that time was their sixth consecutive game, sixty-three to thirty-seven, and that was on the Saturday. Then they had to come back Monday and they had a game against number twenty-three or number twenty, depending on uh, which poll you look at. The Temple Owls and a game that was very tight. Temple came out; they actually did take a take a big lead in the first quarter. UCF fought back. Temple let, and then Temple took another. You know, took kind of expanded their lead in the third, and then UCF fought back again in the fourth, but came up short against Temple. 66-60 to was the final in what was the final regular season game. UCF, I thought, played pretty well. They actually outshot Temple in this game, uh, 47% to uh, 37, um, but uh, only made three threes. Temple made, uh, Temple made seven of them, and uh, there was a free throw disparity, too. UCF was 5 of 12 at the line, uncharacteristically poor, uh, where Temple is 15 of 19 at the line. even though So so even though UCF out-rebounded Temple and outshot Temple, they still lost the game. Um, Aliyah Gregory led the team with 19, uh, 9 of 16 from the floor. Zai Lewis in her final game on the home floor, uh, final regular season game on the home floor, 4 of 10, uh, 10 points, 2 rebounds, uh, uh, no assists for Zai. Jocelyn Massey was 4 of 6 from the field. She had 9 points and 11 rebounds. But uh, Temple showed why they're a ranked team. They win the game. Um, UCF came up a little, you know, coming up a little bit short in this one, which is kind of a bummer. But um, when you look at, you know, what UCF has been able to do to as they finish this regular season, you know, nineteen and you know, I, I listen, nineteen and eleven in your first year under a new head coach and Coach A in a team in a team that I think had lower expectations than people thought. You're going to go to the conference tournament. In Connecticut, you're, they're playing. By the way, their first game's on Saturday. They're playing uh, two. They're the four seed. They're playing the five seed is going to be Tulane, who UCF has beaten at, in New Orleans earlier this year. What? What? Where are you thinking that this team is right now? It's phenomenal.
0: I mean, I, who would have envisioned this? Right. I mean, basically, right. the same team as last year that won seven games. <laughs> seven. Coaching matters. It, and it's, you know, just been, a yeah, they've been a bottom team the last uh, three years or so. Uh, it's been a remarkable, remarkable job. Like, I'm blown away that we're in this conversation. And we talked about Coach of the Year in the American. I think, again, we look at the women's situation. Obviously, they could just give it to Gino, right? I mean, they could just give it to Geno Uh He wins another conference title. And some people now will snicker and say, well, wow, he's got the best players. True. Uh, some people actually thought they would lose a game this year, but like, whatever. Be <laughs> that as it Uh um, well, came close a couple times. Tulane well, yeah. almost knocked him off. Um, if they don't go that route, then I think it's a, you know one of two people. Uh, I think it's Tanya Cardoza. Let's give her some credit. At Temple, ranked in the top twenty-five for the first time in a decade. You mentioned the Temple game. I was there. They've got a dynamic backcourt. I mean, they and I think that's what gave UCF some trouble in that game. Is The problem is when they, they're backcourt, you really can't press them like Coach would like to press like other teams that you've seen because their backcourt's that good. Mm. Uh, and they could shoot from the perimeter and stuff. So they're very good. There's a reason why they finished second in the league uh, because they got some talented guards uh, that really handle the basketball very well uh, with, and really with that three-guard offense that they run. And they, you know Butts is one of their top guards they have there. Fountain is a junior guard that they like over there Larry Temple, so they got that's a good team, that's a really good basketball team. Uh, so when you look at the coach of the year though, Cardoza obviously at Temple, Gino obviously will get vote, but I think uh, I think Abe needs to get the award. Uh, and hopefully gets it because uh, let's be honest, I'm sure a lot of people thought UCF would be the worst team in the league, probably at the beginning of the year, uh, or, the or among them
1: certainly, I think.
0: Right, with the improvements like Aliyah Gregory, who could be, I think, will be the most improved player in the conference, could maybe get some consideration for conference, uh, all conference uh, teams. It's just remarkable during this position to where I think they're a lock for the WNIT. I think they're a lock. Uh, now, the WNIT, which is interesting, uh, is 64 teams compared to the men's NIT, which is 32. So. I think they're a lock. In fact, I'll give you this prediction. I think UCF uh, will end up playing the loser of Stetson and Florida Gulf Coast. Those are the two top teams in the ace sun. Interesting. And they're going to compete in the ace of tournament. Don't be surprised if they play in the NIT opening round there, uh, either at UCF or at Florida Gulf Coast or at Stetson, whoever loses that conference tournament. Also keep in mind, Stetson won the regular season title. And I mentioned that because – Head coach at Stetson, Lynn Bria.
1: Yeah, former UCF well, head coach.
0: Yes. Who And, and what's fascinating about that, because I, I know people within the UCF uh, side, there were some people that were pushing when the job opened for Lynn Bria to return. Uh, I think it's worked out for all parties. I think Coach Bria, obviously, with a great year at Stetson and obviously with Coach Abe coming to UCF, uh, I think it's worked out for everybody. But uh I, I think they're in great shape. I, I think the Temple game. Look, Temple's very good. Keep in mind you just been playing a lot of basketball down the stretch, a lot of emotions, too. I had a win at USF, which was an emotional win. Uh one at Tulane. You win recently at SMU on Saturday, quick turnaround. Remember, Monday night was senior night. Um so I I I think they're in good spot. I think they get the, the bye, which helps in the quarterfinals. And they're really in a huge game in the quarter five, in that matchup with Tulane, which is very interesting because Tulane has uh, moved up to the five seed, which kind of surprised me, Jeff, because you, you and I both saw Cincinnati. And I was convinced that UCF and Cincinnati were going to play in a four versus five. And Cincinnati kind of fell apart yeah. at the end of the regular season and dropped a little bit. Maybe maybe to their advantage because they're not in the UConn bracket, as Coach Abe referenced it. Um But the Tulane-UCF game is a big game because Tulane is in a must-win situation trying to improve their NCAA tournament uh, hopes. Their RPI has dropped to 63. I speak of Tulane. Uh, So they're going to be desperate to get a win there and try to get back in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. And if UCF were to beat Tulane, you mentioned the game's Saturday. If they win, now unfortunately they're going to get UConn. If there is a positive, though – That game on Sunday, they would play UConn in the semifinals on Sunday. That game will be nationally televised Mm -hmm. on ESPN2, which I think is tremendous exposure for this program. Uh, So if they can get to that goal and play UConn on a Sunday on ESPN2, yeah, maybe the game won't go well. But to get that exposure and build that momentum uh, going into probably the WNIT and then into next year, I I think would be huge for this program. It's been tremendous.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that the real – to me the women's basketball team is the better more satisfying I think story. Not to say that the men's team is not or is not a, is not a good story. I just think that the way the women's team has come together this year is is the better story. And what I'm really excited about is the fact that you know you're losing two seniors. Only two, okay? Now granted, Zai Lewis who has been amazing. By the way, in that SMU game, became UCF's all-time leader in three-point field goals in men's or women's history. She surpassed Jermaine Taylor for most threes made in a career in that game. So she's an all-time sharpshooter. Um, you're going to lose that. Boy, that's going to be hard to replace, right? You lose oh, Jocelyn yeah. Massey, but you can, you, you know, the, the, uh, the rebounding, the defense in the middle, but you can replace that. is going to be a little bit tougher to replace, but... You can find shooters. And, uh, like you said, if they get, if they get to that point where they can play UConn on that Sunday afternoon, of course it's likely that they could, that, 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 you know, UConn is going to do UConn things. But, let's also not forget the fact that I thought UCF played fairly well against UConn in the game they played earlier this season when they hadn't quite figured themselves out. Geno himself said, you know, they're going to be a problem. And, uh, you know, they, they held UConn under, you know, they did hold UConn under 100 points. They forced UConn to go to zone in that game, which is something that they never do, Um, to, you know, to counter some of the issues that UCF did present to them at a certain point, um, you know, during that game. So I, I, I think it's important, you know, again, remember, you know, you, you have to kind of manage your expectations a little bit. And, you know, but the fact that they are, you know, and, and you got to get through Tulane. I know Tulane's going to Tulane's be a tough team to beat because, like you said, they, they're looking at their resume. But interestingly enough, Eric, they're only Almost knocked
0: teams. off UConn, by yeah. the way. Let's not lose the fact. That's a very hey, good hey, hey, Tulane
1: hey. team that, that I thought played a poor game at home against us. That's why we beat them. Yeah. But um, interestingly enough, though, only four teams in the finished the regular season in the American with winning records in the conference season. UConn, Temple, USF, and UCF. Tulane, SMU, Cincinnati, Memphis are all at, clustered at 7 and 9. In fact, Tulane, SMU, and Cincy all have identical records, conference and overall, 16 and 13. So that tells me that UCF has actually outperformed most, not just their own expectations, but I think most of the actual conference in general. I mean, I saw USF in person. That's a good basketball team. We saw Temple. We know about UConn, and if you take away all you know, everybody else who's you know, basically you know, below you, they're all below UCF at this point. That's a pretty impressive resume that UCF has put together at nine and seven in the conference, nineteen and ten overall. So I'm excited to see what they do uh, against uh, against Tulane in the uh, basketball championship. Remember that they play at noon on uh, March the fourth. Which is let's say the uh, Saturday. Saturday, okay. So and that game will be, by the way, on uh, ESPN three or watch yep. ESPN, yep. which you can see uh, with your uh, cable subscription. So um, sure. You know, two and quick again, thoughts. Two
2: yeah, quick, go
0: ahead. Two quick thoughts for that. Uh, you mentioned the win total. I think too, it's worth mentioning. You know, the, people may not be aware this state is very good at women's basketball. I mentioned yeah. earlier about Stetson and Florida Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf Coast has been you know, dominant, been a perennial in the NCAA tournament. Stetson right now winning the regular season title. Florida State, top 10, top 15 program. Uh, Miami's a top 15 program in the state. USF, you've seen them in person. It's a top 25 program. I think this year also, with that win, especially at USF, a signature win for Coach Abe, I think was a message that UCF now is going to get themselves in that conversation in this state for women's basketball, for recruits, and for uh, bad quality basketball,
1: yeah, right where they want to be. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. the they, they, The signature wins this year for both programs, men's and women's. Women's at USF, men's against Cincinnati, and now the secret's out. So what do you do? And then it comes down to managing expectations for next year. But one foot in front of the other. Women's against sure. Tulane in the conference uh, in the conference championship yep. uh, on uh, Saturday at noon and then of course the men thursday against usf with a, with a 20 win season on the line both teams with 20 win seasons on the line in their next game so uh, yep, we'll yep. see how they able to pull through there real quick before yeah.
0: we uh, move on cuz we brought this up at the men's earlier and this was brought up about the women the attendance uh, they, you know they asked me and they, they wanted to ask you about it my thing is I think the attendance with women's basketball is not a, quote, UCF issue. I think that's a women's college basketball issue. I think you go – if you look across the country except for certain places like Connecticut. Uh, Tennessee they have pro-
1: and you know places like
0: right, that. Right, right. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer. Do you have a, a solution, an answer on bringing more fans to women's basketball? Because I think it's a tough spot because you're going up and a lot of times, you know, it's men's basketball versus women's basketball, right? So a lot of people prefer men's basketball. They, 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 they prefer the above the rim action. Uh, a lot of times people have, you know, are going to make the commitment, for example, to go to a men's game on a Sunday, maybe won't don't want to come back the next night for back to backs. Uh, you know, and, and I do think, and I've said this, I do think that women's basketball has lost viewers as far as women's sports Two softball, two women's soccer, two volleyball, and you've been involved with the volleyball. Um, and I would say at UCF that women's basketball is fourth behind uh, women's soccer, softball, and volleyball from a f- interest standpoint. But do you have a solution? Anything you you think could be
1: done? Yeah, play UConn as much as humanly possible. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> no, I mean that's that's kind of the, that's kind of the issue, right? Like they're the they're the they're the draw. They are the dominant. They're they're, they're the. Beatles, well, the problem, right?
0: The problem. Well, but yes, but the problem is, it's like predictable, right? It's like, well, they're going to lose by 40-50 if you play UConn. Uh, I don't yeah, sense but everyone like. Everyone tunes pe-
1: in to see David Slay Goliath. And, uh, and there's always the chance that you can play. I think that the, I think that you know, for, from a UCF perspective, I don't know what the answer is from a general college basketball wide perspective. But because again, I don't think this is a UCF problem. Yeah. I don't
0: think this is a UCF problem. I don't think, oh, wow, why aren't UCF fans supporting women's basketball? I think this is across the country. I don't it, – it, if you want to say UCF's apart. Uh, I mean, you were – let me ask you. You were at USF mm-hmm.
1: uh, for the Cincinnati. What was the, the attendance there? They had a pretty good draw in the Sun, though. I think they got about 3,000. And it was – right. I'll tell you one thing. It was, it was an active and loud 3,000. And the reason why it was is because they play an exciting brand of basketball. Yeah, you know, if you up watch tempo. that game, it was. Yes, it was up tempo. It was, yes, right. was, was three point shooting. It was. Um, it was like it, it was like the most fun playground game you could possibly watch. Was, you know, it, I was it, it, generally I was calling the game for the American Digital Network. It was one of the mo- It was really one of the most entertaining games I've watched in a long right. time. And and that goes and that goes to the style of play. I think they've been trying to open up the style of play. Sure. I think they've been trying to make it a little bit more TV-friendly. That's why they went to the four quarters, the shorter shot. Which I like. I like. Yeah, I, like I that, too. I would not be surprised if the men's game goes that way. Too There's been chatter about that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but it comes down to style of play. And yeah. I think that, you know, and, and you know, from UCF's perspective, that's where they're kind of caught in between a rock and a hard place. Because if, you know, I think Coach Abe said this after the UConn game herself. You got a track meet with them. They're just going to run you into the ground. They're going to score 200 points on you. And... And the key to beating UConn is to slowing them down, and that's what UCF tried to do. They tried to use the entire shot clock basically on purpose, and they still held them to, you know, 88 points. But, um, you know, I mean, they still lost by quite a bit, but, you know, UCF at least followed the game plan. I think when when UCF gets the kind of talent that Coach Abe wants, they're out there on the floor, um, you know, when they get to a point where they can challenge UConn, like we said, they're fourth in the conference right now. If they get to the point where they're good enough to challenge UConn, that's when you're going to start to see the attention being paid by the UCF fandom because it's going to surround that, you know, oh boy, are we going to have a showdown with UConn? And it kind of reminds me of when we were in, when the men's team was in Conference USA and you had, there was everyone else and then there was Memphis and Coach Calipari, right? And the casual fan looked at it and said, well, what are they going to do against Memphis? If they're competitive against Memphis, I'll start paying attention. But if they're not, then I'm not going to care. UCF has to get competitive and competitive with UConn. Now, I know that's a tough ask. Okay? No, I was going to say, to say that about
0: the rest of the country. That's a tough I mean, ask because,
1: the... you, know, that, you know, let's face it. They're going to tr- – you know. But, but here's the thing. They're not going to keep winning games forever and in perpetuity. Okay? So now it comes down to timing. Are they going to eventually come back down to earth? Are they going to – you know? I think I mentioned this about men's basketball. Are they going to re-enter the atmosphere again? And uh, and if they do, and if you catch them at the right time in the next year or two, then you could then you could kind of get the the momentum kind of moving around your own program a little bit. Maybe not in terms of national talk. It'll you know if let's say UCF defeated U- UConn, you know, upset them at some point. You know, it's going to make national news because UCF. Because UConn lost, not because UCF won, right? But at least around sure. here, all of a sudden, everyone says, wow, UCF women's basketball is for real. They beat UConn. We better start paying attention to this. And it's an, up, and it's an uphill battle the entire way. I think they should start, we should start paying attention to them now because I think this is a really good team that's extremely talented. And I think that they and I think that they're going to make some noise in the tournament up until the point that, you know, uh, that, well, they, that they get to UConn. And then I mean, UConn is most likely going to do UConn things. Um, but again, in a one game situation, right, Eric, you never know. The thing I will say, and
0: in fairness, and, and I think Jose Fernandez done a heck of a job at USF. I think one of the things that's helped them as far as the support over there is you mentioned the style play, but also it helps that. The men's basketball program there has been a disaster. Uh, I think they've only made one NCAA tournament, uh, even during the Big East days, and that was Dan Heath. Um, and their program has been bad. And I think it's almost like I, – I, at the end of the day, people want to see a good product, and they don't want to see a bad product. And I think right. they, they've come to the women's. And the women's over there, they've been consistent. They've been, and I think that's one of the keys is you have to be consistent.
1: Yeah, they're, they're so consistent. People buy they, it. They're consistent. They've been improving, but they, but yes. you're right. I think the key is they put an entertaining product on the floor. Sure. So it's a
0: combination of those things. Right. Um, as far as UCF, I think they got to be consistent. They got to prove they can win again next year and stuff. And they, you know they got to get that marquee player that people can ch- talk about. Uh, but I will say this, because you've covered the program a long time. You know, I mean, going back to Gail Striegler and mm-hmm. Joy Williams. You know, even when they won, there wasn't that oomph. And I do wonder, I just think that UCF, with the women's soccer program, the way it is, with the support they've gotten for years and the tradition and the history, uh, I, I think it's always going to be above women's basketball. Uh, I, I think volleyball, which you've seen with Coach Dageny and stuff, and, and playing in the venue, uh, a, a great place to watch a volleyball match, mm-hmm. I think helps that product. Uh, With Coach Gillespie, what she's done with softball and the success they've had, I've seen a jump in the last four or five years. Uh, I mean, people bombard me with questions with softball that they didn't do it six, seven years ago. I do wonder if women's basketball from a UCF fan standpoint can overcome all that. And if I wonder if as great as that CFE arena is playing, I know people don't want to hear that, but would they be better off playing at a place like the venue for basketball? You know what I'm saying? Right. A more intimate place.
1: That instead of playing in a ten thousand seat stadium you know, uh, you arena, know, you know some some programs do do that. Yes, and I've yes. always wondered that. You know, I I would love for them to do an experiment one day. You know, they used to a, a couple years ago I did PA for a for a uh, early season tournament when Joy Williams was the head coach that they did play in the venue because there was something going on in the arena. I don't know what it was. It might have been a convention, right. or I don't know, It could have been Yo Gabba Gabba for all I know, but. I thought when I was in there, I was like, hmm, this place is a pretty good basketball. Right. You know, but, you know, I mentioned I call it the, you know, obviously it's called the venue, but this is a good basketball venue. And if you're only drawing, say, at first, you know, two, three thousand or or, or maybe even less, pack them into a smaller place and turn that place into a real madhouse. You can get the students in there. Uh, right. You can create you can sort of create demand Yes. And you can and you and more importantly for the product on the floor, you can turn that gym into a into a place that opponents fear coming to. And I think that that yes. can work out in the long run if you said. Now they won't do it because no. the women's basketball team should you know, rightfully should, I think, play in the arena. But I think that it should, it would be really interesting to see them play maybe a couple regular season games inside the venue just to just to see what the atmosphere would well, be like because it because we know from our student days it can get yes. loud in that place and I and obviously well, we know that from volleyball too we've had some matches yeah. where they played USF and some other uh, and and some other pretty good teams you know volleyballs and stuff like that 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 place can get really it it, it gets hot it kind of it kind of reminds me of like you know the stories that they used to tell the old Boston Garden in that respect how much a home how much of a home court advantage. The Celtics sure. had during the Larry Bird era and the venue could kind of be could kind of be like that if they ever decided to try that.
0: I agree. I'm a proponent of that. And and I think part of the issue that women's basketball has is they want to be treated like the men's basketball program. And I, I think that's where you, you get. So as a result, you're going to get compared and you're going to lose that battle. One of the things and I've had this conversation with. Uh, Adam Schick, who who calls women's basketball and women's softball for Florida, uh, the University of Florida, and he does women's soccer. And we've had this conversation, like, for example, and you know this, women's volleyball, one of the things they did is they lowered the net uh, compared to what men's volleyball does. So they differentiate themselves a little bit. Uh, women's softball, if you look at softball versus baseball, they're completely different products. They're completely right. different sports. Softball has, it's more of a small ball game. There's more strategy involved. They, they don't, they have the, in, you know, people have even, they have dirt on the infield instead of grass. There's just a completely, they different themselves. So as a result, there's not a direct comparison between the two products. Whereas I feel like, I feel like if women's basketball did what you just said, if they put themselves in a venue, uh, it would differentiate themselves. They would be different than the men's basketball. Instead of being in that same building like the men's is, I do think it would give them their own personality, give them their own uh, place. And I think it would help them uh, give them their own identity, if you will. I think where mm-hmm. women's basketball sometimes run into the problem is they're playing at the same places that the men's are. And you're just not going they want to be compared like the men. They want to be treated like the men. And sometimes you just want to do something different. you got to give the audience and the customers something different. Um, and I agree with you. I think a place like the venue would help a lot. And I'll give you an example of that. Stetson. You wouldn't have been to that building. Yeah, I've the been Edmund to that Center
1: building. in DeLand, right?
0: Yeah. I was there when Stetson Women's Basketball has played home games. I saw them play UCF there. And they've got a great Stetson Women's Basketball fan support there. And that place is tight. You know it's small, but it's, it's very comfortable. and so as a result, they're on top of the fans when they get really loud. and I think that would help, I think a lot of these women's basketball programs, not just the UCF thing, but other programs, uh, if they had a place that was intimate, more intimate, maybe you know instead of 10,000, 3,000, 5,000. Like you obviously would have to study your numbers uh, and, and what and, you know and then how you sell the UConn game. If, if if you have a game like UConn, that could be the game you could play it at the big arena. Maybe you draw more people, but then it'll be unique. It's like, oh hey, they're playing at the CFE arena. They're not playing at the uh, place. So I mean, there's a lot of different venue things they could do that I don't think they consider doing. I know Adam Schick has brought up the idea. What do you think about this? I know coaches don't like this idea, but he's brought up lowering the rim. So there, you have more of a uh, because people love the dunk, right? People love the above the rim action, and maybe if you lower the rim at women's basketball, that would draw more people. You buy into
1: that? No, I don't buy into that quite as much. Okay. Uh, the, the the ball is already smaller, you know. That, yeah. Right. So very good point. Yeah, uh, yeah, good point. So, good so I, you know, I I wouldn't no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with the rim. Then 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 you're then it's like okay, do we d- do we shorten the three point line? No. Do we shorten? You know, do, do we do other things to the side of the court? No. Keep the rim the way it is. I think that you know from a you know what is what is conducive to helping UCF win more basketball games. I think. A better environment, a better fan environment, would certainly help. But you know, then again, they could just keep winning games, and you don't have to worry about you know where do they play because they'll end up <laughs> because they could they could start selling more tickets to the big arena. So we'll see how it goes. They got their game against um, uh, uh, Tulane on Saturday to open up the tournament. Make sure you follow the American Athletic Conference tournament uh, at the American uh, dot org, and also those games will be televised on ESPN three. You know we've gone over an hour in this first segment. Basketball fever, baby! I know, it's man. March it's, 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 it's we're recording this on Wednesday, March the first. Wow. It's March, but we got a lot more to talk about. We're gonna talk, stick around because coming up next, we're going to talk some track and field. UCF winning the American Indoor Championships, and we're also going to talk about uh, about uh, softball and baseball and some of the new facilities plans coming up as well that were released by Danny White this week. Stick around. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Stroko. Um, uh, um,
0: where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. <laughs> You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in depth analysis of UCF Sports.
1: Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud,
0: Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube,
1: like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go, Nights! Charge on. Now, back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And we're back here at the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff, Sharon, Eric Lopez. We're going to talk track and field and a historic week for UCF head coach Jeanette Bolden. The Knights win the American uh, Indoor Championships held in Birmingham, Alabama, earlier this week uh, at the Birmingham Crossplex. This is indoor. Track and field. So in the spring, the track and field season, they split it up into two halves, indoor and outdoor. Uh, Anne-Marie Blaney was the most outstanding track performer of the meet. Um, She earned 26 of UCF's 112 points. Uh, She won the 5K. She placed second in the mile and the 3K. Um, This is the first indoor championship for UCF since 2013, when they were back in Conference USA. And uh, also three points for uh, UCF in the uh, War on I four rivalry series because we beat out um, uh, USF in the overall standings. We were down by 15 points to Cincinnati heading into Saturday. Cincinnati's very good, and uh, and then you, and and then the results kept coming in. And this is from you know this is from the release on UCFKnights.com. Uh, Natasha Jordan, a freshman, uh, finished second in the high jump. Uh, she set a personal best. Blaney closed the gap with, uh, with, with her performance in the mile. Rosie Chamberlain, a junior, added some more points by finishing fifth in the 400 meters. And then, uh, you know, we had, you know, we mentioned John A. Whittaker, uh, who won uh, the 60-meter hurdles. Uh, she, th- th- that helped UCF out big time. Uh, Janae Bellamy uh, defended her 60-meter dash title, and that added 20 points to UCF's score. And uh and then it came down to the uh to the final uh relay. Uh UCF had a six point lead. Uh, and uh and they got enough points in the uh four by four hundred meter relay to clinch the championship by just two points over Cincinnati. Houston finishes third in ninety nine, uh Cincinnati at one twenty, UCF at one twenty-two. So uh wow, what a uh what a performance by UCF. With individual titles in let's see one two three four four events, and uh, and they take home the conference the American Athletic Conference indoor title for the first time since being a member of the American. How about that for Jeanette Bolden, huh?
0: Big, right? And this has kind of been long coming, right? She's kind of built a slow process when she took over the program. Uh, you know, maybe took a step backwards to make it better from an overall program standpoint, right, Jeff? Because Coach right. Gilbert had a lot of success in the tracks and in the sprints, right? But they weren't strong in other areas of track and field. And whereas I think Bolden wants an overall, and I think you're seeing an example. We just saw an example of that, right, with this performance, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. And and listen, those of you who are old track and field people like me who appreciate the history of United States track and field in the Olympics, Jeanette Bolden's a familiar name. You know, she's a former gold, she's an Olympic gold medalist, uh, going back to the 1984 uh, Los Angeles Games, um, she's a con- she's a contemporary of names like you know uh, Florence Griffith Joyner, um, Jackie. You know, she raced alongside uh, or, or she performed alongside people like Jackie Joyner Kersey. She knows that, that whole she she's in that sort of extended family of great UCF track and field or UCF great USA tr- track and field athletes. And she has brought that experience to u c f coming over from what was her alma mater at u c l a and it is now paying dividends now I'm really excited to see what the um what the uh, and by the way she you know jeanette um was uh, the two thousand eight u uh, s olympic women's head coach you know that that says something uh for in terms of you know what you know what it means to be underneath her tutelage, you know, such a great sprinter and someone who coached the Olympic team. So she's won national championships at UCLA. And now I think UCF is on the cusp of really making some noise um, in the track and in women's track and field uh, nationwide. Now the schedule looks like this, because now we're going to head to the, um, to the outdoor season. Um, The, uh, which by the way, the NCAA championships are going to be held not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, the indoor championships uh, at in College Station, Texas, at Texas A&M, March 10th and 11th, Friday and Saturday. Um, and uh, a note on that, um, Anne-Marie Blaney will represent UCF at the indoor track and field NCAA championships as she did qualify for the 5K. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and then it's the outdoor season. UCF's got a couple home meets, by the way. Black and Gold Challenge on Saint Patrick's Day and the day after. They go to the Pepsi Relays at Florida, uh, and then uh, they got a couple other events taking place um, around the country. They're heading out to California for a few meets in Torrance, California. They're going out to Tempe, Arizona, San Diego, hotbed of track and field out there. Before coming home, uh, for the uh, or before coming back home. So they have one last meet in Florida at the Tom Jones Memorial uh, in Gainesville. That's in late April before the American Championships for the outdoor in uh, mid-May. So the outdoor season, they're going to really test themselves by heading out west, which is going to be fun, I think, to see. Um, but again, one track and field meet in the outdoor season. That's March 17th and 18th in Orlando. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. I'm looking forward to seeing what Coach Bolden's crew does uh, out west in some of those regular season outdoor meets, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I and I think more success is coming, don't you? I mean, I know. Oh, I think yeah, this it is feels like
1: it. Really feels like you know, of all the sports, we talk about the resurgence of basketball and um and, and football this year, but I feel like track and field is on the verge of something really special under Coach Bowden right now. I'm all for it. Let's yeah. roll with it,
0: baby. Run it, it
1: up. All right, let's uh we got some uh well not really breaking news, but semi breaking news. Let's go over to baseball. They are at seven and one under Greg Lovelady right now, off to a very good start. Um and fresh off of a sweep of Manhattan this past weekend where they won 13 thirteen three, ten to one, and seven to two, just throttled Manhattan, twenty runs in two games in three games. Uh went up to Florida, lost by a run uh on Tuesday, the last day in February, February twenty eighth. But then, you know, literally minutes before we started recording, defeating Florida uh, today by a final score of eleven to two at the uh, UCF baseball stadium, which is what they're calling it now. Um, what a game for UCF! Uh, now at eight and one, they defeat number two ranked Florida, depending on the uh, poll that you're looking at. Joseph Sheridan gets the win. Local kid, local kid. Yes, um, seventy-one pitches gave up. Uh, one earned run, four hits, walked one, struck out four. Looked very good. Uh, Michael Byrne gets the loss for uh, for U.S. Another local kid, yeah. battle of local. kids. Yeah. Yeah. But you were talking about Eric, how this is, you know, this is a midweek game. Yeah, and uh, yes, it's good that you. It's always good. Listen, listen. Don't get us wrong, night fans. It is always a good thing when UCF beats Florida. Okay, it is never a bad thing. It is always a good thing. Okay, but. You know, let's let's also be honest here. This is a midweek game, I, and I think that Florida. It looked like Florida kind of was like, ah, let's just let's just get. Well, this. Uh, for, that kinda, for those that, that kind of pisses well, me off a little bit, but
0: go ahead. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. College baseball, uh, their best pitchers are on the weekend. The weekend rotation. It's like Florida, like Alex Fredo. They got a bunch of guys. They just beat Miami. That are going to go in the MLB draft that pitch on the weekends. Yeah, um, and Kevin O'Sullivan. Doesn't like to use his best arms during the midweek. Uh, like most don't, but he, him, especially, especially during conference, you know, when they're playing the FCC and stuff. Uh, so he likes to throw out a freshman and young kids and all that stuff. Uh, so when people look at the scores, let's not, they didn't face the top three Florida pitchers. So let's not, uh, 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 we're not going to Omaha just yet, ladies. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We're not going to Omaha based on one win against Florida. Remember, UCF two years ago beat Florida as well and mm-hmm. didn't even make the tournament. So, uh but so let, let's calm down for those that are like throwing parades because they you know they all oh, the outplayed Florida in the two midweek games. Look, Florida lost to Jacksonville uh a week ago as well. In a midweek so, game. Midweek game. And, and and look, this state is tough, man, from a from a in state yeah. battle. The talent every game in a midweek, you know, when Florida's playing, you know, Jacksonville and UCF and US it's a big game. USF just beat Florida State recently in a midweek game. So uh it, it those you know, you, those teams are gonna be geared up for those games. Uh the thing I like so far is the UCF pitching. I, I think Jeff, they've got some arms. I, I Sheridan yes, looked pretty they good. Do. It was good Cause the one thing I will say, I mean, we could talk about the pitching and, and who's pitching and who's not pitching in midweeks, but you still have talented hitters on that Florida lineup. And I thought Sheridan was very good, and I thought UCF as a staff was very good against Florida's hitting over those two games, and they've been very good so far, led by Robbie Howe on the weekend and Pimentel. And how about the kid Bar uh, on the weekends? I know the competition hasn't been great on the uh, on the weekends, but I feel like this pitching staff has their roles, which has been a criticism of the previous regime of Do they know their roles? Do they know what what you know when they're coming in and things like that? This team has clearly bought into Coach Lovelady, uh, and and I think he knows what he's doing. He's obviously a proven coach, and I think this team is improved, and I would not be surprised if this team challenges to make the NCAA tournament because they're going to get opportunities to win games like that against the Florida, against the Florida State, who they have next week on a midweek in Miami. And then when they get in the conference, that's where the proof will be in the pudding. Uh, As they like to say so. But look, I mean, you have to be encouraged so far from what you've seen. I think it's an improved team from last year. Um, Some it was good to see some of the hitters coming on, uh, especially with the big game against Florida at home. Now, they did leave a lot of runners on base in the loss in Gainesville. And you wonder Mm -hmm. if that's going to be the key to the season is can these guys deliver? Uh, cash in with runs on uh, runners on base, right? Because we've Isn't that had always the about,
1: question. <laughs>
0: sure, but that's I mean this offense, right? Because it wasn't a very good offense last year, right. and it's pretty much the majority. You know, they lost some guys. Now, I, the fact that they got Kyle Marsh, they got Marsh back.
1: Uh, in Marsh the had a three-run double tonight, by the way. That was a big hit that sort of and, sort of clinched the game.
0: Absolutely, and I I'm a big fan of his. You know, it was unfortunate he went down with the injury last year. I know they have high hopes for him as a pitcher, but I think he's a talented hitter, an infielder, uh, a player. And if we can keep him healthy with his bat, I think he's a big part of that. Eli Putnam has been good. So, uh, look, lots of positives. Uh, huge win against Florida. Now they cannot have a letdown. You got, what, Stony Brook coming up. This weekend, I believe. and I should, got I should also
1: him. note that Marsh also had a home a two-run homer in this game, too. So, Miss, I mean, he's, a big I'm game you. for him tonight against Florida. And
0: they missed him last year. They missed him last year, and that kind of went under the radar. Uh, he missed all of last year with the injury, and I, I think that kind of got under the radar. But that was a huge loss for this team. I I, I think this kid's a special. I think this kid's going to end up in the big leagues, Uh, a, a, at least compete to get a cup of coffee in the big leagues. I really do. I think this kid's that talented. Now, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to be healthy. That's a big part. But uh, I I think this team with Love Lady they're going to maximize. The one thing I'm confident in is that Love Lady will maximize whatever potential that roster has this year. Don't right. you?
1: Yeah, I I think so because I think that they're relaxed now. I think that that's the thing yes. that we talked about. You know, when we interviewed him uh, a couple couple weeks ago, and uh, and I think it certainly shows. What well, couple things that I thought was really impressive. You mentioned Marsh, by the way, his his tally tonight three of five at the plate. Two doubles a homer, six RBIs. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a real deal. Yeah, I really he's, do. He's off to a great he's off to a great start. The pitching this year so far, uh, through eighty innings, they have a total combined team ERA of one point nine one and a strikeout to walk ratio of ninety one to nineteen. So that's four about four point five to one strikeouts to walks. And uh, you mentioned the hitting. Uh, Marsh right now is at 382, but right now, you got I, uh, the guy I'm looking at right now, Luke Hamblin, is, th- is he's started yeah. all nine games. He's hitting 500. He's off to a 15 for 30 start with eight runs batted in, uh, and he has been getting stuff done uh, at the plate. So, uh, so like uh, off to a very, very hot start, yeah. I think the bats are, and, and the arms are as well. Now, granted, the competition. Right. You played against Siena. You played six, six games total against Siena and Manhattan. But right. you got Stony Brook coming up. So a little bit, a little bit of a tougher test. The Stony Brook's a pretty good program. So uh, so I'm well, interested and, to see how that how that shakes out.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the strike out the walk ratio, because what that tells you is that they're pounding the strike zone. They're getting ahead of hit something that's been a bugaboo for this program the last couple of years is throwing yeah. strikes. Well, because uh, guys have
1: been running out of gas.
0: Yes. And, and, and so that's the thing I'm excited is I think there's some arms here. And, uh, you know, you look at the American conference. You know, I think UCF has a shot to compete there with Houston, for example, who's probably one of the favorites, if not the favorite in the league. Uh, I think USF is another. And I know people don't want to hear that on this podcast. But USF, I'm telling you, they had a lot of injuries last year and they've got most of those guys back. And I think USF's going to be another force. In baseball, there uh, with Kingston, the head coach there, who obviously has a relationship with Lovelady. Both, of course, coached the, uh, you know, both coming from the University of Miami and the Jim Morris tree. Uh, I think, I think the UCF USF baseball, and they play six times, keep that in mind. Uh, that's going to be a fun six games because they mm-hmm. got some talented arms at USF that's healthy uh, and, and they're going to be up. So I think you could see a, a baseball, and I know you covered the, uh, the baseball for the digital network. You'll be Edmund Clearwater. I would not be surprised, Jeff, when you get to Clearwater in May that UCF and USF are both big factors in that conference tournament because I think the both programs are in the right heading in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I was really looking forward to say I just really hope that this trajectory continues. I know it's gonna be I do, tough. I think it know, will. seven and two. You know, sure. when you get to conference play, things do change. But um but yeah, I mean I think that this could be Oh man, this uh, I I I do feel that the way that Greg Lovelady is managing the pitching staff is the thing that we're yes. going to look back at and say wow. That's the big difference. That's what has yep. moved UCF uh from where they were to where they are. I think that's going to make a big uh, that, that that's going to make a big difference going forward, especially when we get down to April and May.
0: By the way, uh 30 over 3800 at the game for the Florida game win, the third largest, I believe, uh, Uh, Crowd I saw on on social media, third largest crowd ever at the stadium. Um, Obviously, uh, a lot lot of orange and blue is a factor. Mayor Buddy Dyer at the game. Yeah, Buddy Dyer was there. That's right. Catching the game. Interesting to see what they draw. They got Florida State coming for two games. The Tuesday night game's a 6.30. Wednesday's a 4 o'clock game because it's a getaway day. So obviously the big draw attendance wise will probably be that Tuesday night game. It'll be interesting to compare those two, but it'll be another opportunity for them as well. Another challenge for them as they compete against FSU. And look, I mean, that's the key. If you can split these games against these teams, that will, you know, helps you on the resume a little bit that, you know, it doesn't hurt to have Florida and Florida state on the resume, but it's not the end all be all Uh, you've got to win your weekend games. You got to keep getting better. And I think that's the key. So it's early, but positive signs. And, Glad that you know. Hopefully, people come out to see the program more than just Florida or Florida State. You know, get to see them later on in the year. So we'll see. Let's talk about
1: softball real quick because they had the big uh, Alabama tournament up in up in Tuscaloosa. Uh, yeah. Five games, they finished three and two at the easton Bama Bash. Um, the two games they lost were to Alabama. One of them four to nothing. Uh, the other one three to two to close out the tournament, but. Impressive performances in the two games against Gardner Webb, winning those two by a combined score of fourteen to one, and then dropping thirteen runs on Texas Tech uh, in a thirteen to four victory. Eric, you follow this closely. What was the evaluation uh, in the after the end of that five game weekend? Success,
0: I think. And let's add to the fact they beat Florida Gulf Coast on Wednesday
1: in yes. Fort Myers. I, I, I regret neglecting that. Yeah, five to oh, one win in I Fort mean, Myers. So that concludes
0: their trip. It was supposed to be a 10 game trip They started in California, went to Tuscaloosa and it concluded in Fort Myers. Uh, they had two games washed out in California. They went five and three on the trip. Uh, the three losses were to top 10 teams, Alabama twice at Alabama in their backyard. You mentioned it. One of them being three to two, mm-hmm. one run game. The other one was a one nothing loss to UCLA up in California. So I think it was a success to be honest with you. I, I I'll be honest. I, I didn't think they would go five and three on this trip, or you know, I, I think with the youth, you just never know how they're going to handle the road. But I thought they handled themselves well, and it goes back to California. They won that Cal Poly game in X ratings. They gave UCLA all they can handle, one nothing. And we talked about it last week. I told you that Aaliyah White and Calixto would gain confidence from that. Aaliyah White has pitched well from that point on. She got the win against Florida Gulf Coast. She's I mentioned been the another horse, press- man. She's throwing a lot of games. She's getting stronger, too. I'll throw another name, though. Freshman Cameron Tony, Uh, kid out of Georgia, really pitched great in relief for that Alabama game on Sunday. Really, UCF could have won that game. They had a bases-loaded situation in the sixth inning, didn't deliver that hit against an All-American pitcher in Osario, which not many people do. But I, I thought that was a lot of positive encouragements there from this young group of, of girls here. Uh, I think they're building the pitching staff with White, you got the senior Calixto, and I think Tony has proven that she can get them some out, uh, quality innings. And I think uh, the thing I was most pleased about in Tuscaloosa is finally uh, you saw the offense kind of come around a little bit, right? Because we yeah. saw them both in, in Orlando; they kind of scuffled and struggled, and you just didn't yeah, the know were, they're all the know. bats
2: were
1: asleep when they when they were home, and, and they finally woke up.
0: Correct. And, and Courtney Roden had a phenomenal a uh, weekend in Tuscaloosa. Uh, in fact, it earned her conference player of the week in the American Conference. I don't think Patrick Murphy, the head coach of Alabama, ever wants to see Courtney Roden again because <laughs> in two, I think she has like seven hits against Alabama in three career games now.
1: She Going back Bama to last, pitching for lunch. <laughs> she does.
0: No, I mean, she went four for four in 2016 and last year when they knocked off Alabama, and she had a big weekend against them again. Uh, but the big thing that's encouraging, because Courtney Roden is the best hitter on this team, period. Right. Probably the best, you know, offensive player they have. The question is who would help her around there? And that's what we're starting to see a little bit. Autumn Gillespie hit a home run in the Alabama game. Uh, The freshman uh, Glover, who's now kind of settled in into the leadoff spot a little bit, uh, has been productive, hit a two-run homer in in one of the wins against Gardner Webb. You know, Aubrey Johnson starting to hit these freshmen. That's the thing, Jeff. They're so young. Seven true freshmen on this roster. Six of them have played. Uh, A lot of new faces on offense and pitching, obviously. So you just don't know when, you know, when does it come around for some, it's faster for some, it's slow, but you see the potential that they have and why the talent is there. Now, now they come home for 19 straight games at home. They play at home from March 3rd to March 29th. The next time they step on a, on a flight won't be until conference uh, in the, the first weekend of April, April 1st through the third, when they go to Greenville. So, uh, now they got an opportunity here with 19 straight games at home to be comfortable, to still get getting better and improving, and get more reps and get experience, and and really, in my opinion, have an opportunity to get ready for conference, which I think is as wide open as it's been since the American Conference, uh, you know, was created. Because you look at the American Conference right now, USF. Uh, The big news kicked off the reigning American conference player of the year. Julie Weber's was no longer is on the team. Uh, We don't know the reasons Mm. why, but nonetheless, she is no longer on the team. She, she, uh, she is no longer on the team. And uh, that's a huge loss because she was a tremendous talent at center field defensively and their lead offensively, a tremendous weapon. So that's a huge loss for them, who already lost Erica Nunn to graduation, who was the pitcher of the year. So they've got some questions over there at USF. Tulsa's got some questions that they're trying to resolve over there. So this league is wide open, and, and there's not – UCF has an opportunity with Aliyah White and, and – and this has been the key to coach Gillespie's success over the years is to have the best pitching staff in the conference. And if they can do that, they have a shot to win the league. And with white, you mentioned being a workhorse, getting better by each game. She throws, you got a vet in Calixto as a senior two years. And then Tony, if they can get those three to click, they might have the best pitching staff in the, in the conference. And if they do that, they have a chance to win the league, which would be remarkable considering the roster turnover on right. this team with all 10 graduations from the seniors and, and the freshmen and all the young talent. Um, I thought it was a very positive road trip for them and you hope they can build on it. They got to build on it now uh, on the, at home. And we'll see how they handle that. Right. Cause there's always that sports analogy, right? Jeff, like the hardest thing to win is like, When you that first home game or home series after a lengthy road trip, right? Yeah, that's always the challenge, and I think that's the challenge for this team this weekend when they take on uh, Providence. They'll take on Florida Gulf Coast again uh, at home as they begin this lengthy homestand, but a very important homestand. But I I thought it was a lot of encouragement and positives
1: that came out of this trip. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that you're right about that because you know here's what they got coming up next: this UCF Invitational at home, like you said, Providence and Florida Gulf Coast. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Providence, Florida Gulf Coast, and then Providence again at the UCF softball complex, and then they got James Madison coming in on Wednesday, and JMU is actually pretty good too. So, uh, so this home stand coming up is going to be right. a, is going to be a pretty tough one for UCF. But the good thing is they don't have to go on the road again until March thirty first, uh, when con- again in conference against East Carolina. So, uh, uh, so a lot of home games coming up for uh UCF softball in the next uh in the next month here. So all right, so that brings us to some big administrative news uh at UCF. Uh what was released this week uh by Danny White is called Our Vision. And uh you can see the actual link out here. Um UCF actually put out this really you want to talk about some artist renderings out here for uh some uh massive uh improvements to the UCF athletics facilities. There's a video out there really impressive stuff. Here's the laundry list of stuff that they want to do, uh, that Danny White has said that they want to do. Uh we're going obviously there's, you know, Ken Dixon uh, donated $5 dollars over the next 10 years. Uh and they're going to name this the Ken Dix the Kenneth G Dixon uh Athletics Village. There're going to be a lot of enhancements, you know, so, you know, sort of small things, you know, in terms of like landscaping and things like that. But in addition to that, they're gonna get the football operations expansion and athletics headquarters building, which is gonna go between the field house and the um and the uh Wayne the new Wayne Dench Center. That's two million dollars uh, committed to that. John Yuliano Park, which is gonna be the baseball expansion and renovation, uh starting after the conclusion of this baseball season. Two million dollars committed to that. One million dollars committed to the uh, Garvey Center for Student Athlete Nutrition, which is gonna be um where the um what do you call it in the on the south end of the football stadium the um where where the uh, the training table would be the sort of the the, the, the recruit center over there that's going to be ter- turned into the student athlete nutrition center um 1 million dollars committed to that here's what they want to do they want to develop the they want to build a new UCF basketball excellence center which is going to be a a new sort of uh, renovation of the area in between the venue and the arena the and CFE Arena to sort of make it like a really big sort of basketball, um, uh, really really give UCF basketball a home there. All right, um, there there's going to be a new uh, completely renovated plaza and promenade uh, leading you know in, in in sort of that area in between the Wayne Dench Center, the Nicholson Fieldhouse, and the football stadium. There's going to be this thing called they call the Recovery Cove, which is basically a <laughs> a lazy river. A pool and what looked like a miniature golf course right at on the south uh, eastern corner of where the football stadium is. That looks really impressive. Enhancements to the Nicholson Fieldhouse, uh, video boards at UCF baseball, softball, and soccer and track complexes. Boy, are those badly needed! Uh, enhancements to UCF softball complex and uh, further enhancements to the track and field and soccer complex as well. Kind of expanding on that. A lot in the pipeline. Now, a lot, of this, uh, a lot of this stuff is pending approval by the board of trustees, in particular the park expansion, the, the baseball field expansion, and the uh, student-athlete nutrition. But here's the trick. Danny White has gone all in and said, look, we need, in order to make this all happen, we need $25 million. Smart thing that he, do, that he did that other athletic departments around the country have done you never make the big ask until you already got plenty of, plenty of stuff sort of in the bank. So $10 million has been committed to UCF facilities as of, as of February 24th. So all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, okay, we need $25 million. Well, actually, no, we, don't, we only need $15 million going forward to make these facilities happen. So you're already 40% of the way there. Have you taken a look at the stuff? What do you think? Yeah, no, I haven't had a chance to study it in depth
0: like you did, Jeff, but uh, just kind of glanced at it a little bit. But uh, look, I mean, it's the name of the game in college athletics, right? It's all about facilities, right? I mean, it doesn't matter the sport. doesn't matter if you want to compete at the highest level. You got to have the, the best facilities around for the student athletes, right? Isn't that the name of the game?
1: That's well, at least, at least that's what they're telling us. Um, yeah, I, I'm really I'm really impressed with, you know, sort of the infrastructure for everything is kind of already there. There's a lot of detail work. That's kind of involved in this. But I think that there are some facilities that have kind of been a little bit, I don't want to say neglected, but could use a little, you know, a, a little bit more TLC uh, and then, uh, than they've gotten in recent times. And uh, and I think now is certainly the time to uh, do it. I think Danny White, you know, this is his, this is right here is his baby, I think, um, getting this major capital fundraising going in order to make this massive expansion and really set you. Isn't this the up biggest a, reason?
0: Isn't this the biggest reason why Dr. John Hitt, who by the way just celebrated his 25th anniversary, Yes, with congratulations
1: the university. to Dr. Hitt. Uh, isn't this the biggest reason why
0: Danny White's here? I mean, yeah. we, we we could talk about this was because of his ability to uh, raise money for the program yeah, and for the university. That's, that's why, that's what yeah,
1: th- listen, if you're an AD in the year 2017, your job is to is to is to make your athletic department money through fundraising. And, uh, and I think that he's gone about this the right way. He's, he's reached out to um, well-off UCF alumni who, um, yeah, and made them feel, you know, like they, they, they can contribute something important. And uh, we've seen the re- we know how the revenue trend is going to go with, you know, how UCF's student population expanded in, during the time that we were there. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is Danny White's bread and butter. This is what he was brought here to do, Right you know I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do particularly with um you know sort of getting this sort of office space and um and and the you know they talk about like these excellent centers but really what they are is you know expanded office space weight rooms and um you know film rooms and um and extra practice sort sort of practice areas for these uh complex and the other thing too that's gonna be nice and I think you know for the, especially for the people who work there uh you know friends of ours i, I think when this administration building finally happens, it's going to be in between the Wayne Dench Complex and the Nicholson Fieldhouse, they'll finally be able to move all of the uh, administrative and marketing and sports information personnel um, over from the old Wayne Dench Center, you know, 38 and 39, which is all the way on the exact opposite side of campus, over to where the athletics building is, or where the athletics complex is, that they're going to be calling it now, So, um, or the athletics village and uh, and that's going to make things a lot easier for the folks that are working there, folks that we've known for a long time. And that's going to be um, a lot of fun, make things a lot more efficient, I think, because sometimes that can be, you know, when you're working there, it's kind of a pain in the neck when you had to go back and forth between, you know, the Wayne, De- the old Wayne Dench Center and basically the, everything surrounding the, surrounding the new Wayne Dench Center. But, you know, wow, it's pretty amazing to see, you know, like how much has really um, happened over on that side of campus since we were students. I mean, remember when we started out there? We were freshmen. <laughs> We had just yeah. the we had just the arena, and then we had the soccer field, and then we ha- and then the baseball stadium had just happened. They just finished the softball stadium. and That's it.
0: Yeah, it is kind of crazy where we're at now. Where we're even talking about what jumbotrons and video boards and, and lazy uh, all, all this stuff. It's just kind of crazy.
1: <laughs> and and, yeah. and, and, there, and, so and some people that, the future. By the way, I saw a little bit of um, complaining on social media about like, oh, I'm glad that so glad that everything is you know you know my. Uh, my uh, money is going towards a um, lazy river for the athletic department. First of all, you don't know what you're talking about because guess what? That lazy river is, played for, pay, is being paid for with private donations, all right? So stop it. Your tuition money is not going to a freaking lazy river. That's dumb. I mean, whoever said that is dumb. But, <laughs> it, 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 but again, like, if you want to, you know, listen, we've been saying this. Like, we're supporters of UCF athletics. You and I both are. We have been since we were students. You know, this is the this is this this is the game that we're playing now, and I'm happy to see that UCF is going to be, you know, not just caught up to other schools that are sort of in their neighborhood, but I think leading schools that are you know not just uh, they're going to be among the leaders. Certainly, I think in the state, in terms of facilities, at least that's what they're trying to go for, and definitely in terms of you know comparison within the conference, and that's what they're going for. So um, I'm really impressed. With it. You got to check out some of these renderings, man, because this this is like. It's like kid in a candy store type stuff. One of the things they mentioned was softball improvements. We know that there's baseball improvements coming. Right. What do you, what is, I, I didn't see any details on what they were going to do with softball, but I'm curious to know from your perspective, as someone who knows the softball program well, So, what are some of the things that you think need to be, um, are, are, are due to be sort of improved upon, fixed, renovated with the softball stadium?
0: Well, I think I know a video, a new scoreboard, <laughs> which seems to be the theme, right? Yeah. Um,
1: the the one at crazy. the baseball stadium wasn't working today. Did you see that for the for the Florida game? Yeah,
0: yeah, they've had issues with that this season. Um, so both of them could use a new one. But I mean, it's crazy It sounds. I mean, all, I've been to all these other softball stadiums. They have video uh, board, uh, scoreboards now. They have jumbotrons. I mean, that's you know that's the name of the game in the recruiting battle. So you need that. Uh, I think expanding the seats. Because this program has grown to the point where when you're playing Florida and you're playing Florida State and the Alabamas of the world and you're playing top competition, uh, yeah. I've seen a lot of standing room capacity uh, yeah. you know, and, and you're almost limiting yourself because you know it, it, it's a tough act because you don't want fans to just watch the game in the outfield for free, right? But so I, I could you know, I think expanding the seats are good. I think they could see expanding the press box a little bit um to possibly help you host regionals down the postseason. I'm sure baseball would feel the same way in their situation. So I, I, I think it's kind of both sides would probably tend to agree on that. Um I think the big thing too, with all these moves, your goal is help your all your teams get better, but also it helps your brand better. So you never know, 10, 20 years from now, you know, if people decide to change, you know, make some changes in conferences, now you become more attractive than maybe you yeah. were at the present. And if and even if that's not an option you're you're trying to bring more revenue internally and and so I give them credit for that as well so i, I there's a lot of goals here hopefully it works out I am a booster officially
1: so <laughs> actually that that makes that makes, <laughs> am i the one but i'm not a, I'm not a part of the river guy that know? makes that makes the two of us by the way as yeah. of this week too so I'm glad to disclose that to everybody. <laughs> All right, so uh, as we finish up here, Eric. By the way, I'll have the I'll post the video in the uh, show on the show page on blackandgoldbanneret.com. dot uh, What do you have uh, coming up this week, Eric? Oh, well, we got
0: mentioned softball, right? They're back home this weekend, uh, and I'll be back on the booth there. Uh, in fact, I think I'm calling my like 400th game this weekend. I think it's oh, be a little milestone
1: to action for Eric. Yeah, yeah I've been doing calculations like,
0: 10 years in the booth. When, when is uh,
1: when is game number five hundred going to be? Is that going to is that that's going to be in the twenty nineteen <laughs> season? I'm guessing, right?
0: I, I just want to get through like this weekend and next week, and
1: then I'll worry about I know, that. I, down. I know exactly how you feel. It's like just get me through this weekend <laughs> <Yeah>. without without <laughs> without saying anything <laughs> dumb. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. That could
0: maybe stop halt the, the count. You know. Right. Uh, but no, yeah, I'm looking forward to be back get out there. I'll be out there this weekend. Uh, calling the action to, for that weekend. And, uh, you know, I'll be calling pretty much the entire homestand. So yeah. uh, looking forward to seeing this team continue to grow. So that's where I'll spend most of my uh, next few weeks, really. Uh, we'll be doing that. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm producing Tuck and O'Neal and uh, uh, weekdays on the uh, 1080 in Orlando. We're also on in Gainesville and Ocala. So uh, that's right. we're we're mapping the world. So that's where you can find me on Twitter,
1: on Eric lopez I will be uh, doing PA for the Friday game. Uh, for UCF softball. Go. That is the Providence game. Uh, 3 p.m. first go. pitch for that. So looking forward to that. you bringing of course, the food? Huh? No, no I didn't. Food? I, I didn't uh, <laughs> I'm not planning on it this time. You know what? I, that was such a big hit, I'm going to disappoint some people <laughs> because I brought uh, some leftover. Uh, I, I had some, uh, what was it? I, I, I brought over some homemade nachos, chicken and beef nachos last time. And and you, Gina Catalano over there who who runs marketing for softball she's going to be upset with me because I don't have any food with me for this Friday so I don't know what I'm going to do I I got to make it up to everybody somehow but anyway
2: um
1: but yeah so so I'm going to have that coming up I got a couple more softball games coming up to do in PA uh, as well and and huge thanks to Gina and I wanted to th- uh, also thank uh, Chris Walsh for uh, from UCF Marketing who was kind enough to uh, let me do some women's basketball PA this year. And uh, I had a blast doing that and watching that team grow throughout the course of the year. So thank you to Chris. And uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what UCF basketball does. And you never know. You never know. We might uh, – boy, wouldn't it be cool if we, if we hosted a postseason game? That would be pretty neat. So, um, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen with that. So I have no idea. I don't think anyone really does at this point. I think they're just trying to get through that two-lane game and then see what happens. But uh, all right, Eric. And you said Eric Lopez, Elo, on Twitter – uh you can also follow right. me at yep. Jeff Underscore Sharon on Twitter. Follow us at UCF underscore banneret at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Uh yep. and uh, I wanted to send out a uh, again a very special welcome, by the way, as we finish up here to Brian Murphy once again. So most of you guys already know he's back. He- he's here, but Brian Murphy wrote for the Sentinel, or not for the Sentinel, but for the future. Um when I was working in the video department. Um, he is back here in uh, in Orlando and he's going to be covering uh, a couple things mostly baseball uh, but Brian will be here'll uh, be on black and gold Banner. he will be uh, writing some stuff for us uh, as well and uh, and hopefully hopefully we'll have him on the podcast very soon too hopefully next week um, to talk a little UCF baseball so um, thanks again to Brian for joining up I'm so glad that uh, he's with us because I can never I never have enough time to write and I know we have like uh, and I know that there are a lot of folks who you know want to do some you know really good writing um you know i know that you you've done a great job with some of the softball stuff and now we're gonna have brian doing a little baseball so um nice. thanks again thanks a again big to brian and Murph. yes big welcome to uh brian murphy we'll have him on the podcast soon enough eric so uh nice. and again thank you to you fans for uh sticking with yep. us through another marathon edition no. of, uh, <laughs> of UCF, uh of the ucf of the black podcast yeah go ahead eric
0: one thing we got to congratulate Andrew and Trace this yes. uh, upcoming weekend, their 100th edition episode. That's of- right. 100 episodes. Uh, I may or may not be a cameo in there. We'll see how the, the that plays out. That's the other thing I might be doing. Nice. But uh, Nonetheless, even if not, congrats to them on their uh, 100th
1: episode. Yes, congratulations to Andrew and Trace on episode number 100. Here's to another 100, and here's to uh, maybe more crossover episodes between us and them uh, in the future because that's always been fun. So for Eric Lopez. My name is Jeff Sher. Oh, by the way, don't forget, uh, subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn. Don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes and uh, reach out to us as well on the UCFsports.com message board uh, and where we always post the show and also uh, at BlackandGoldBanneret.com and on our Facebook page uh, as well. So for Eric Lopez, my name is Jeff Sharon. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you again next
2: week.